0: Blaine will fix it.
1: human beings and welcome to insert credit number 121 121 uh this hi brandon hi this is this is that number of show i think 121 uh, now is I think, it i think so oh yeah okay yeah we did wow. 120
0: last time I, my, my brain was uh about 20 behind for some reason <laughs>
1: oh yeah. yeah yeah we've done a bunch of these as it turns wow. out that's weird yeah it's weird. Yeah, like, there's been a couple. Two and a half years worth. That's it's, it's something. Anyway, so uh, here we got Frank Cifaldi. Hi. And, uh, and Tim Rogers. Yeah. And I'm Brandon Sheffield. And we're going to talk about stuff. The topic this week, <laughs> stuff. Talking about stuff. Uh, I'm just going to get right the heck on into it. Why not? My my first question is, when did you all start writing? writing writing Ooh um well we're talking extracurricular I take it Yeah yeah I'm not talking about like your high school essays unless that was you really going above and beyond and doing some crazy stuff like I guess I would say when did you consider yourself to be writing instead of completing a homework assignment Um I've never I might
0: be in a unique situation because I've never really considered that like a calling or anything. It's more just uh, – it's something I figured out that that uh, I could do better than most people, so I exploited it. It was never something I really, you know, was passionate about. Sure. Um, but I would say – God, I mean – if you want to go back to to high school, I I guess that's when I noticed it because people were uh, praising me all the time for some reason. (laughs) Um, And I I guess really it was um, when I got the internet, uh, which would have been 1998 and um, kind of fell in love with the idea of, of making something on the internet and, and started sort of doing websites and stuff. Uh, like back then i was I was making websites for local bands in vegas, but uh being kind of weird with the writing mm-hmm. um you know like instead of just a typical uh news update for the band i would I would kind of put my own spin on it and and uh you know it, it's funny I was just thinking about this this morning that's very weird um but, Present. Uh, <laughs> yeah but I, I guess I guess that's where that that all started was was uh was was the 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 tripod website for for the uh Las Vegas uh pop punk band that I think is still going called the Happy Campers. Nice. <laughs> was was when I really sort of started uh stretching and 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 realizing that like hey, I am writing as 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 a thing that people uh want me to do for for not a school assignment. I guess this is what I do now.
1: Cool. Tim
2: Uh Well, I wrote a short story, I guess the first time I wrote a short fiction story would have been when I was nine years old, uh, and it was about, it was about six typewritten pages long, uh, and it was sort of a little fantasy story, but it was, uh, yeah, there's not really too much worth talking about in that one, uh. (laughs) But I wrote that and it had a beginning, a middle and an ending. And uh according to my uh uh teacher in school who uh like looked at it like uh I, we did like a show and tell thing and uh my dad had printed my story up in uh and put it in like a binder. Right uh like uh he showed me how to type it up on the computer. And then we printed it up, dot matrix printer, and he mounted it in a binder, and I took it to school, and the teacher read it, and uh, I guess was convinced that I was some kind of genius to be able to write a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. That was like eight pages, and it's maybe about 1,500 words long, which is kind of pretty good. Yeah, I, I could still remember it. I guess it was all right. I mean, it was uh, definitely didn't. I mean, there's probably some 16-year-olds who can't write something that good. Uh, so I guess it was sort of a – maybe I would have freaked out too if I'd been the teacher who read that. But I kept doing it. My parents got me my own electric typewriter uh, for my 10th birthday, and I just wrote stories on it. Uh, I always tell people that I started, I first wrote a novel when I was 15, but that's a lie. Uh, I first wrote a novel when I was 10. It's just, why would anyone believe that? Uh, <laughs> okay. And also, it, it seems like one of those terrible things. Like when people say Mozart wrote a symphony when he was six or whatever, it's like, come on. You know, maybe he did, but was it any good? Yeah. Like, really? Have you heard it? which one is it somebody tell me off the top of your head what's the name of the symphony mozart wrote when he was six
1: picking my butt opus
2: yeah buttholes and com. i love my mommy yeah my, my mommy's great yeah uh mommy mommy makes sandwich is what it was called so uh i i don't necessarily believe uh so I don't tell people I wrote a novel when I was ten. It'd make me sound like an idiot, but I did. So there's you know world exclusive. Uh, wasn't very good. I mean, whatever. Ten year old doesn't have any right to write a novel.
1: Got got no experience.
2: Yeah, exactly. I I started. It was it was a fantasy thing. It was pretty much Zelda. But uh, I'd read some Conan and such at that point, so I had some idea what I was doing. Tiny tiny sliver of an idea. Uh.
0: So so we we both we both have the teacher thing. Do you have that too Brandon where it's just like, "Oh, okay. I guess you consider that good?"
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. but my more important moment was different than that. I'll I'll wait till Tim. Yeah, so, sorry Tim, go
2: Oh, oh yeah. So anyway, when I was around 15, I started developing like an actual style of novels that uh and uh I figured out a template that I have stuck to to this day uh i i guess for about twenty one years now I've been writing novels on almost the same format and template i got a lot of them they're uh but yeah that's that's about it uh but there's uh yeah so wait when you mean writing you mean just writing as a as a thing to do yeah, or uh, yeah well i like, i
1: think you've answered the question to to the specifications there all um, right well there it is um for me I, I wrote a short story for Highlights Magazine when when I was like nine or 10, I'm not really sure. Maybe I was 11. Um, and it was, it was, uh, it was about four pages double spaced. (laughs) Um, Oh, nice. And it was basically Highlights had this competition, which was, um write write a short story about the last days of the dinosaurs, and I wrote a story about how uh all of my friends were dead. I wanted them to come out and play, but they were all dead uh because I was a dinosaur and I was the last one and I just got the idea from that um that far side cartoon where there was a uh a kid who's like, hey, can Billy come out and play? A kid that's a dinosaur. And he had like a backward baseball cap and a, and a baseball mitt. And uh, they had a sign on their cave that said, gone extinct. Um, mm. And uh, so it was just based on that. And uh, Highlights sent me a letter back. And they are like, this is very nice. But didn't your parents write this? Wow. And I was so simultaneously slightly flattered but mostly insulted. 'Cause there was no way for me to get like there was nothing there was no internet, so I couldn't change this verdict. Uh that was very upsetting. But th- I think that was my first taste of writing really. Um and taste Yeah. Then I did it some more. Um teachers were generally praise, praising my my stuff. Um But the real kind of watershed moment for me was in high school when a teacher named Brian Thomas told me that I wasn't that good and that I could do better. And I was like, what the hell, old man? What do you know? But then I thought about it for like five minutes and I was like, well, of course I'm not the best. How could I be the best? I'm 15. I don't know anything. Why would I be the best person? And so then I started listening to other people and trying to trying a little bit to get better not as much as I could have to where I could be a really good writer ever but a little bit to where nobody could tell whether I was a good writer (laughs) and unfortunately I think that's kind of where I stopped Um, evolving was at was that nobody can tell that I'm not that good (laughs) Uh, Uh
0: Yeah, I kind of wish I had that moment because my my teachers praised me and and made yeah. me read read in front of the class so often that I got turned off from it cuz it all just felt like a tremendous scam cuz uh. I knew it wasn't I knew it wasn't good you know and and it's and it's not encouraging to to just be told everything you're doing is wonderful when uh it's clearly not and uh and uh it's it's just uh by comparison to everyone else in your public high school class yeah. i guess yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> like uh, i was never i was never pushed uh to write and uh i don't know maybe maybe i still feel the effects of that cuz I, I i still don't love writing or anything i still just feel like i don't know
1: i'm more competent than most
0: i guess that's something
1: uh yeah i i i don't love writing but i feel a compulsion to do it so i guess that's similar um. So, where does your voice, your writing voice, come from? If you can identify it, uh, I'll say that I'd, for me, uh... it. I. I think it comes now from talking to people and reading other stuff. I feel like I get pretty heavily influenced by by better prose than mine, and then I wind up picking up. Not the not really the the prose itself, but the tone or the yeah. the the timbre uh Timber? Hmm. What kind of a member is it? It's timber. Timbre. Timbre is yeah. what goes with a reen. Uh tambourine, you see. Um yeah. I think it mostly comes from that but like from, from from a long history of essay writing is is where my serious stuff comes from, and then uh goofing around with my bros is where all of my dialogue writing voice comes from. Um, I I I,
0: I don't know, I, I feel like what I what I tend to pick up uh voice wise from, from reading other stuff. Well I should say that, that I, I feel like my my writing voice just comes from whatever i've been absorbing those past like three months yeah um you know i I just i I just kind of feel like i reflect the bits and pieces that i like but uh i think mostly what i pick up uh is just maybe this is what you'd call the timber but but what i'd call the melody of of writing you know like just just the the ups and downs that i kind of visualize the, the the sort of valleys and peaks uh you know, like like a good song or, or a poem, even though I've never actually enjoyed poetry. Yeah. Um and uh I don't know, that just comes from me like reading stuff that I wished I wrote, you know, and and yeah. uh sort of subconsciously taking the bits and pieces that work for me, I guess. Um but uh yeah I guess I guess that's my answer to that. I don't really have like uh a specific place that my voice comes from.
1: Yeah.
2: Tim. Oh well, I mean, I don't really know about uh about the voice of it. It's kind of. I mean, I would say at least ninety-five percent of the writing I've done in my life is stuff I've never shown to anyone. Like so. It's hard to talk about it with any degree of uh, anybody listening having any familiarity with it, I guess, which is a shame. But uh, it's real different from – I mean, I guess I've never really had to compare it to stuff of mine that I have shown to people in such a way. But it's real different to what it is, uh, to what my other stuff is. So when I think my writing voice, it's kind of just itself – Uh, it's, it's how I think, not how I talk. Uh, and I feel, I have just felt myself as I get older, beginning to talk more with the, uh, sentence structure of stuff that I write. I just, I've always, I had a problem as a kid, uh, just talking in general. It was very difficult to talk or listen to people, uh, Everything was, I don't know, people were boring and all that. But uh, it's just very, very difficult to, it was like inventing words as, like, the second before I say them. I had a very visual and tactile, almost like traumatic memory system. So words were just always really weird. They were, they were like toys, stupid things. Words were dumb. So I guess that's why writing was fun for me. It was like playing with Legos. So, I guess the answer is uh my writing voice kind of came from Legos.
1: Do do you, uh do you ever find some of that synesthesia stuff going on? I I've found that as I've gotten older when I'm looking for the right word that I want. Uh I'll be like, yeah, it's like, it's like this word, but redder. <laughs> and then, and then I don't know what that means when I think that. And it surprises me because I've, it doesn't happen when I read other people's stuff, but when I'm, when I'm trying to form something and I'm grasping for, for what I want, I, I guess my brain just starts like splintering out into different directions to try to grab that word and it's like no it's more of a yellow tone this word that i'm trying to get or the the feeling i want to evoke does that does that kind of stuff happen it's tim it sounds like that happened to you a lot
2: uh i mean sort of i i i've never really uh, thought about it with words i i guess uh there's a lot of shapes and textures and colors but it's uh I don't know. I've just gotten so, if I may use the word good at it, that I don't think about it anymore. It just kind of flows. And, uh, Well if you got a
1: template, I, that makes sense.
2: Yeah. I've got templates that, uh, I, I know I've just figured out these sort of skeleton keys for framing a, a paragraph and, uh, God, yeah, it's really, really confusing to try to talk about this because I never really talk about it. But, uh, oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, I just, it, it's just right. Well, I when can I type it. It's like, I know that it's, it's the right, uh, phrasing that was in my head. I'll have whole, I'll just think up whole sentences that aren't connected to anything, uh, phrases. Uh, that have a certain shape or texture to them that I can perceive without even thinking the words. And then when I sit down and type it, it's like saying the words. It's sort of a incantation, you know. Like typing it is like the, that was the shape that was in my head. That was the material that was in my mind, and now those words are there, and that's it.
1: Having, uh, so I guess the answer is yes. Ha- having written next to you for, I don't know, 15 years or something, um, I, I definitely see that you you tend to have these kinds of certain types of, of lead-ins and lead-outs and things, and then there'll be, I'll see, you know, an amusing turn of phrase that that happened like two months ago. Will show up in there. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it makes a lot of sense. It's like there's some sort of memory bank of cool, cool structures. And then if you, if you put them together in a way that makes sense, it adds profundity somehow to them, to where people reading it are like, oh man, yeah. But they don't actually really know what it means. But knowing what it means isn't as important as kind of feeling, feeling that it's taking you somewhere. Uh, that's, that's my impression of, of that kind of, um, uh, structure from, at least from the outside.
2: I get a lot of a, a feeling of, uh, well, yeah, like the profundity of a phrase that you've put down that the person reading it, like reading it fresh does not possess the burden of, of knowing where it came from. And in a way that makes them. I don't know, it invites the imagination more. Yeah.
1: They can fill uh, it in with their experience.
2: Yeah. Maybe they don't distinctly put their finger on the fact that it has history to it, but the history makes it memorable. Yeah. Whether they acknowledge it or not.
1: Uh who who do you read or have you read that influenced you? Um I'll I'll start this one and say that I used to really like... I still really like Hermann Hesse, and I read a bunch of his stuff, and every time I read something by him, I wanted to write fiction, which was cool. But I would say that that part of me that wanted to... or that liked reading Hermann Hesse and Camus and Sartre and stuff, that's the part of me that turned into an essay writer primarily, which I feel is, like, that's my that's my solid comfort zone, is if there's a, a thing to write a topic about where... Like, if I have to write a topic about something... Wow, I can't. I can't. Here's here's the the true writer in me being unable to say what I'm trying to communicate. If I have a topic I want to write about, then I can really go for that and just get it done and have my points and make people think that those points are their points. Or if I'm trying to be contrarian, then they can, you know, I can make them really mad or whatever. Uh, And I think that all comes from there, from that kind of part of my uh, reading. But now, it's, I'm more influenced by things like Adventure Time and like teens having conversations on Bart and stuff, um, because I've had to write so much more dialogue over the last few years. And I feel like my dialogue writing style has come from some sort of real casual, like, television style, but more, uh, but with more import and impact behind it that you can't see or, 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 or know about. Um, when, when we were doing insert credit as website, Back in the early 2000s, I found myself influenced by Tim's writing and Eric John's writing, especially. Um, one of us would write something and then the other one would write something better or more clever or more interesting. And then it would compel me to try to do better than that. And so I feel like that influenced me a bit as well during those days. So those that's my answer. I think, um,
0: I, I, relate to the dialogue thing you just said. Um, I think my dialogue writing right now is, um, based on what modern cartoons are like now. I think modern cartoons are, are, I think cartoons are in some kind of renaissance right now. Like the, the writing has just gotten so good in, in things like Adventure Time and like Teen Titans Go is just this brilliantly written show, um, that, that, just has this snappy dialogue that, that works really well, and like I don't, it's weird. I don't I don't think because I I actually haven't watched that much, that many modern cartoons. Like I I've seen maybe like five episodes of Adventure Time, for example. I think that my dialogue writing is what I think modern cartoon writing is. Ah. You know, <laughs> like, like I, I think there's almost this purposeful ignorance to it. You know, it's, it's like, I don't want to go too deeply into what that is, but I know that I like it. So what's my impersonation of what I think it is. And, uh, I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but, uh, I think that's what my dialogue is. Yeah, it um, makes sense. and then, uh, as far as other stuff, um, uh, I, I've always freely admitted that I'm not really all that well read. Um, I, I never got into books or poetry or anything like that, uh, so much um so i have kind of a uh almost typical nerd answer to to which writers have influenced uh my writing style at least in terms of like you know i keep coming back to melody like melody is what i really pick up on, on and like playing with and and i think it's it's sort of a combination of uh haruki murakami neil gaiman and video games like yeah. like video game, video, <laughs> video game and <gaming. laughs>
2: Yeah, Nail <laughs> like, video gaming and
0: and like I like the rhythm of 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 text that fits in an old text box. You know, I like I like it. I like button press text. Mm-hmm. Like I like my sentences to be short and and like actually moving you forward. Yeah, like yeah, like, so a, v- uh, like a like a Phoenix Wright episode. Yes, like Phoenix Wright I think, <laughs> is is a is a really good uh, example of the kind of writing that I like doing. Just like like button pressy writing.
2: Tim. Button pressy writing. Yeah. Well, I've always read a bunch of books. Uh I guess I've read uh at least a thousand books in my life, probably more. I read I counted I read hundred and thirty five books in twenty fifteen, which is uh a little bit over uh two books a week.
1: Yeah, that's a bunch. More than that. It's
2: a lot. I read a lot of them. I read like fifteen, uh, I think. <laughs> owned I
1: know <laughs> I read like uh, like five so it's okay yes.
2: Oh owned <laughs> uh, Every time I go to Indiana for Christmas uh, I go to Half Price Books And buy about 30 or 40 Paperbacks And
0: uh, Wait before you go any I, further Are they somehow cheaper there than here At Half Price Books
2: No it's weird uh, But the vintage paperback section is so much better And I don't understand why Okay uh, Probably because nobody I cares don't care as much. Cause I get, yeah, I think so. That could be it. Yeah, could be it. Why, why, uh, why buy paperback vintage books when you can have a big punch bowl of tortilla chips and a tumbler of Coke at your local Chili's? I don't know. That's right. So, uh, yeah. So I just get a bunch of those books, and I've I've been doing some variant of that more or less for the last twenty years, and. Uh, yeah, and hence the definitely over, probably more like 2,000 books I've read in my life, probably. I would have to sit down to count them. I could count them, though. Trust me. <laughs> I could I could write all their names down. That's one of my only talents is I can just remember all the books going backward. Uh, so I guess when I was a kid, I really liked uh, Alexander Dumas. I pronounced that in English. Uh, I liked The Three Musketeers, The Count of Monte Cristo, uh, old adventure novels like uh, uh, Treasure Island, uh, Sherlock Holmes. So any of that stuff was uh, uh, something I was a real big fan of. And uh, in high school, like everybody, I read uh, uh, 60s and 70s science fiction. Like uh, A.E. Van Vogt, you know, Van Vogt, Heinlein. I liked Starship Troopers. Pretty chill. Uh, I read uh, one of my absolute favorite writers. Of course, I read Robert Howard, uh, uh, all the Conans. Uh, and yes, I read Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan, and John Carter of Mars. I, I read anything that was like that or that had a front cover that looked like that. And uh, I got real good at reading real fast, and I got good at reading real slow You know, when I wanted to have a good time with it. And I read all the Tolstoy's, I guess everything that was in English I, I read and I liked all that stuff and later Dostoevsky, but I guess I really like, uh, somewhere in the middle of all that. Uh, I like the writer, Abraham Merritt. Do you guys know him? Mm -hmm. Nope. Oh, he was a science fiction fantasy author. And, uh, I really like his books. I read one of his short stories, uh, on a YouTube video a couple months ago. Uh, and that's the kind of style that really had like a huge, like brain crushing impact on me when I was a kid was, was that, that particular short story. Uh, yeah, I would really recommend that guy and you can get all of his books online uh, as like free PDFs. I've got them as eBooks on my phone. Uh, but, I really like all of his work. It, it's just the right amount of ornate writing. It's like just ornamental enough, uh, and it's tricky and fun and has a couple good quirks to it. It's that general weird tales sort of writing, uh, with, uh, uh, fantasy treated somewhat naturalistically. I, I really like that stuff. You know, that actually, and, uh,
1: that, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I love that sort of stuff and, uh, that's why I extremely, basically, if you want to know what sort of stuff I've been writing the last five years, uh, it's, or the last God last 10 years or so, basically true detective season one is more or less exactly the sort of thing that I was writing until about three years ago. And, uh, I mean, that's very weird tales kind of writing in true detective season one. Weird. fiction, Yeah. Weird fiction. It's, uh, Basically, uh, the way, I, like, the pitch that I had for a novel that I wrote that was very similar in tone to that was Lethal Weapon Meets Cthulhu. Uh, and that's sort of the kind of thing I was writing for a while. And, uh, yeah, I've always liked that. And of course, I like Moby Dick. Moby Dick's the best. Eventually, I found Moby Dick and, uh, Nabokov and, uh, all of those really fancy. Super fancy writing. And I went back just a couple days ago and I read uh, – when I was in Texas, I reread The Scarlet Letter and Great Expectations. And uh, Scarlet Letter and Nathaniel Hawthorne, that uh, – I hated that book in high school because we had to read it and we had tests on it or whatever. But, man, that's a really supremely well-structured, well-written book. And uh, Great Expectations, man. Charles Dickens, you know, whatever – that guy made a lot of money, but he was really cool. Uh, that guy's fantastic. And just last year, I read most of Hemingway's books again. I've read all of those before, but uh yeah, man. And right now, I'm reading a, a bunch of books. I have a, a shelf in my house that I read books on, and there's a book. I would hold it up for the camera, but I don't have a camera on right now. There's a book called NARC that I took a picture of the front cover of, And the front cover says, number one in a great new series. Uh, And I really love that. And the back cover says, $250 million worth of death. (laughs) And uh, let me read the back of the book. And I read this whole book, and I just cackled the whole time. So I'm going to read the back of book description of this book. $250 million worth of death. It was the largest illegal shipment of heroin ever made. Into the States. 1,000 pounds, pure and uncut. The New York dealer was paying $10 million for it, half in mafia money. But the street value was 25 times that. A cool quarter billion. Enough that men were going to kill for it. And die for it. <laughs> Narc John Bolt was prepared to do his share of the killing. Dying could wait till later. <laughs> So uh I saw this book in Indiana and uh I'll I'll link you guys to it. I I Instagrammed a photo of it. Uh uh I saw this book on the shelf and I just shrieked. Like I almost died, and then I started reading it and I was like, Oh god, this is so good. Uh yeah, you yeah. I used
1: to read a lot of those kind of like uh I don't know, Max Power or or John Hawk or I don't I don't even remember the names, but names like that Oh, uh, they've all got names, s- yeah. Special Mission yeah, Squad uh things where it was like, oh, it just, I don't know. They this were, they is were a,
2: the most... uh, a first printing of this book from 1973. With the first printing so. of
0: the first in the series.
2: Yeah, of the first in a great new series. a yeah. uh, nice. John okay. Bolt. That's by Robert Hawks is the name of that writer. <laughs> I bet it is. Uh, so recently I started, last year I read a couple of the Jack Reacher books, uh which are, modern but similarly stupid and uh i had a real good time with those uh they're hilariously bad on purpose in a really interesting way so yeah just just this impossibly tough dude uh just taking stuff down taking care of business and such uh yeah
1: i feel like i should have said a couple more authors now that you said all those because you, you made yeah. me think of, of a of a bunch more which like the um when you were talking about merit there was this dude named james p blaylock who oh yeah uh, he lived around here or still does probably and um he's not fantastic but for whatever reason i find his stuff compelling because he's always got some stories that make me want to uh, think about stuff. And I remember reading, reading his book, Homunculus, which I currently cannot find a copy of because it's completely out of print. Um, he, uh, I read that when I was 11 or 12 and it was just the, the writing was beyond me, kind of, because I didn't, uh, I didn't understand a lot of the words that he used because, you know, some S-A-T words in there. And, uh, but I was excited by the idea of, you know, foggy London and the Thames and et cetera, And, and a tiny man living inside a giant dude suit, uh, who is the homunculus. Um, and, uh, I still, I still like that writer. I think he's, he's, he's fun. He's not great, but he's, he's, enjoyable to me in a certain weird way and uh he was kind of the more accessible version of all the lovecraft stuff i had been trying to read but having a hard time with
2: uh oh man lovecraft is real real good if you're not like a child i guess yeah yeah uh, i was busy being a really, child. yeah being a child is it's it feels kind of old and hard to read a lot of words a lot of extra words in there uh, I also, I, I guess, man, I'm thinking of a whole bunch of writers uh, that were huge for me uh, when I was a kid. Were, uh, I read Robert Graves. He has a book of Greek mythology. Uh, he rewrote all the Greek myths. Robert Graves is Greek mythology. Uh, Robert Graves wrote uh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence and the Arabs was the name of the book. I love that book. And he wrote I, Claudius and uh, Claudius the God. About Roman Emperor Tiberius Claudius, I read that book like twenty times. John Le Carr, Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy, uh, Len Dayton, The Ipcress File. Loved all those really super British spy books and all the James Bond books. So I read a bunch. That of, was me.
1: I read a bunch of garbage that I really don't think influenced me particularly. Um, I don't know if it's really garbage, but I read a bunch of stuff by Margaret. Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. They, they did these, uh, these fantasy novels about stuff. Um, and there was this other fantasy novel series about the Green Witch that I read. I don't even remember who that was by. Man, there was so much, so much stuff in there. But I'm, I'm just gonna move on to, uh, more about our, yeah. our own writing and ask, do you tend to start with a point that you're trying to get to or you just start writing for uh for a feeling or some other reason uh yeah i start with a point and
0: um i mean i maybe i should backtrack a little and say that i i don't i don't do much writing for myself anymore i i literally can't even remember last time i did that but uh um when i'm doing something um professionally or you know just kind of trying to come up with ideas for something that might be something professional right um because writing comes in all forms right it's not always prose or whatever yeah. uh sometimes it's just kind of jotting stuff down um the the, the trick i sort of picked up in my in my days as an editor was uh starting with the headline um just kind of keeps me uh, in focus and and uh and uh I, I find that works for most things like if i'm just kind of jotting ideas down on paper or whatever uh you know i'll put i'll put the main concept that, that that came to my head like in in all caps on the top of the page uh so that i don't lose focus on it you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and 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 uh and uh yeah so i, I do kind of start with the, the big idea or the thesis or or maybe the ending. Sometimes, right? Like, like I, I, I start with what it is that I'm trying to say, yeah, and then, uh, and then reverse engineer it from there.
1: Yeah, I find that I tend to kind of, I have a thing that I want to communicate, or something that I thought of that is compelling to me, and I'll give you a hint of it in the first paragraph, and then I will kind of spiral into it, and then spiral back out of it is 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 how it feels to me cuz um it's it's like by the end of it you will you will understand my complete feelings about this point <laughs> um that's that tends to be how it how it goes for for you know es- essay writing and stuff um with with dialogue i tend to have beats that i want to hit or or like a, a narrative story I have things that I want to get to. Most of the time, when I'm writing something like that, it's not very long, so it's pretty easy to keep it all in my head. But sometimes I'll, I'll bullet point and and get around to those. Um, lately, I've been writing a lot of comics, though, and in that case, I have like a thing I think is funny, and I guess this is also starting with the point. But in that case, I need to I need to build pacing and other jokes potentially around the one thing that I think is funny, which is uh, has been an amusing and different process for me. Tim, how about yourself?
2: So when you mean starting with like what I'm thinking about or the actual opening lines uh, no, I mean, of the I writing? I mean what,
1: what you're thinking about. Like are you coming from a standpoint of I want to communicate this or are you coming from a standpoint of like I want to – I want to communicate, and uh, I'm gonna start communicating, and then we'll see which which of the many points in my
2: brain get picked up oh uh usually there's kind of a kind of a trash bag full of stuff, and the goal is to present it as uh as painlessly for me as possible <laughs> but but uh, to like to present it one hundred percent authentic like authentic versus the thought process that went into it uh as possible not uh you know my maybe that doesn't say what my thought process is but i'm always thinking about stories so when it comes to fiction i have characters in my head that i don't know what they're going to do with themselves someday you know uh Kind of makes me envy somebody who's got a Game of Thrones or whatever with, they just got all their characters hanging out in the same thing. I've got dozens of characters. I don't know what they're going to do. It's just, it starts with, who is this person? Uh, it, it usually starts with a, wouldn't it be funny if there was uh, a lady whose job was this? But I think it goes something her, like this but her sister was blank. Like, but her sister had no legs. Like, uh, I don't know. Like there's a girl, a a woman who's a, uh, a marathon runner, but her sister is in a wheelchair. Like, I don't know. That's not one of my stories. Trust me. Uh, but it's always like uh, characters and just simply statements of what their occupations are. The old, uh, as they tell you in journalism school you know that when you get to the when you get to the high enough level, they're like, look really the uh the who and the what are the most important thing for getting somebody's attention in a story uh the the why and the how they kind of people can connect to that stuff yeah. you know you not you're not you're not talking about how or you're not talking about why uh, unless the person said why so if you're writing fiction. You're not going to write fiction about people who are saying why they're doing what they're doing. I want, I, I want to look at a novel I've written. And I mean, I do this every once in a while, years later. I want to look 10 years later and see a character do something and be like, why did that character do that? And the answer is always, I don't know. That's what they wanted to do. It's like, uh, so, so there's just a general, when, when I write an essay, it's, I have this piece just put together in my head and everything is sat there the way it is. And I believe in some sort of divine superiority of those kinds of waking thoughts. You you wake up from a dream or you're in the shower and this entire structure of a story or an essay is just there. Uh, You don't want to sit down and get weird with it. You don't want to try to conform it to something else. Like, or at least I don't. I'll, I'll outline it. I'll write an outline and go. And then when I get around to – the writing process obviously takes longer than the outlining or the thought process. But I'll get to a bullet point and I'll be like, okay, I know that this part of the essay is the part where I'm supposed to tell about my friend from 1996. Uh, but uh, I don't really remember why I wanted to tell that story. But I do know that story. So here it is, and with fiction, it's very similar. Except it's, I allow myself to surprise myself with with a performance. So I go. I know this is the part of the story where this guy is going to go back to his house, and there's somebody waiting for him, right? And then I'm like, but you know, who knows exactly what's going to happen? I will let myself ruin my own story, and then reassess it later. In uh, that way, you can see that someone you know, might very well write novels for themselves and not share them with anyone and still feel quite fulfilled in the writing process because I'm having a good time seeing what these guys do. Uh uh, that's really all that matters there. But uh on the other hand, I I'd like I was telling somebody about this just a couple weeks ago. Uh I was talking about the movie Fargo. Have you guys seen Fargo? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Fargo is a, a, a story where – okay, I think Fargo is like a perfect story. I think the plot and the story, every single piece of it is just shockingly essential. It is just a perfectly put together story. Yeah, there's no no but waste there. Yeah, just no waste at all. But there's still breathing room and there's still hangouts in it. There's still parts where you feel like you're chilling out with the characters I really, really extremely love the idea of the, the detective who's not actually that great a detective. She's just a no-nonsense person. She's not a caricature. She's not stupid. She's not a genius. She's a very believable police officer who gets as lucky in doing her job as the villains are unlucky. The villains, the villains ruin the story. Like there's a story that's set up that is a familiar story and then something just happens. I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. I think it's one of the 20 best movies you could watch, uh, easily. Uh, uh, the, the, the the story just ruins itself at one point. It's set up to be something you've seen before, but the only word I can think of is ruin. It just goes, well, now this happened. And it's not, it's not a plot twist. It's just a, Oh God, why did that happen? But it's also not a coincidence. It's, uh, what Truman Capote, uh, one of my favorite books in cold blood once called a psychological accident. And, uh, it's very believable. And, uh, I I love that sort of thing. So I always try to leave room for something like that. If I'm writing characters, it's, I don't know if we're specifically talking about writing fiction, but it's, uh, it's, I have characters and they just have a network of relationship and there's a situation that starts it and there's always a final image which is you know a color texture material that comes out as a turn of phrase but uh there's always a final image in mind and I feel like that's the way to really write a good story so, so that's where I'm coming
1: from to, to your uh, point about Having these characters and not really knowing what they're gonna do i yeah i like I like when that happens, and I have only lately started to get there and mostly then in dreams <laughs> uh, uh-huh. lately i've I've been having a lot of full narrative dreams where I'm excited to see what's gonna happen and and i'm I'm somewhat aware in my dream like This is coming from me. How is it that I don't know what's gonna happen? Because I'm, I'm doing it. This is me. I'm making all of this. But yet I don't, I don't really know where it's gonna be because these, these characters, I'm observing them. And so I can actually, writers always say that kind of stuff that they're gonna, you know, they're gonna leave this character here and see what it does. And that always seemed so pompous to me like oh man you yeah. i mean you're making that, you're making this all up like so you know you and also a lot of writers do say it in a smug way <laughs> which doesn't help yeah. but um but I can really see it the pr- the thing you have to do to be able to make that happen though is have realized characters of some sort and be able to distinguish them from each other and that has been my largest challenge is like why is this character doing this and this character isn't doing this. But I think it's it's gotten better for me since I've thought about it in a more fluid way. Like this there's this one uh little short thing I wrote about um people having the power to vibrate the air, the vibrate their own molecules and and the molecules around them so that they can appear invisible and they can do the same with their vocal cords so that they can make sounds that only others can hear. And, uh, and, you know, this is like HG Wells style suspension of disbelief where I don't think that the science of this is correct. I just want you all to agree with me that it's possible. And then we'll get on with the story. Um, and, uh, and I found that in this story, there was one character who could do it way better than the others. And the others were like, you've got a responsibility because you're, you're better. Um, but yet you're kind of high and mighty about the things that that you want to do. And it made sense to me that, you know, it wasn't that this character would do a thing and the character that's criticizing him wouldn't do that thing. It's that these are both sensible people who are friends. They have slightly different backgrounds or whatever, but that's not important. The important thing is that this one is in this situation, that one's in that situation. Uh, For me, at least... I could kind of come round to like, okay, I understand why characters would do things situa- situationally or based on based on context, um, instead of just it's like this person has this set of D and D stats, and so they're always going to be aligned on the side of good or or chaotic and neutral or something like that. Um, it's just this this guy's got some some kind of uh, leg up on the others in in an innate way or because something has been thrust upon him and that inherently changes how that character is and what what they're going to do from then on so like if i can look at that and project it forward then i can actually start to get to that sort of situation um yeah. <laughs> uh, so I have another qu- question here, which is, what is the worst thing that you've written as an, as like a conscious person who was aware that you were writing? Like, going back to that first question, like when you're aware, like, okay, I'm, I'm writing, people know, people are gonna read this. So something, something, the worst thing you've written that people have actually read uh and and i think for me you know if i if i think back to high school there was a time when i was invited to this special writer's camp thing and we were all supposed to present something and i tried to do something totally new and everybody hated it and uh and and the advisor was like you should probably stick to subjects that you're more familiar with cuz i tried to write some sci-fi blade runnery story even though i hadn't seen blade runner yet um and i i totally failed but i don't think that was actually a bad thing cuz it was an attempt at something and a failure so that's that's fine uh i think probably the worst thing i've written is there was something on the insert credit about page for a while that I wrote that I think is it's, it's really embarrassing to talk about it. Now uh, I had forgotten I wrote this. It was basically a story about how my stepbrother and I went to this dude's house to pick up a car part and uh went into the house and there were like six Japanese girls there who couldn't really speak English that were homestay <sighs> with this dude. And you know, if, if you break that story down, essentially what I did was go in there. I like go into the story prepared to brag about how I could speak Japanese and how all those girls were probably interested in me. (laughs) Uh, uh, Nice. And like, that's really, really embarrassing, uh, as a thing to have written as a conscious adult. It's like, you know, that's some, that's some, uh, Oh, and, and, but of course I didn't, I didn't do anything because, uh, you know, I was better yeah. than that. It's like some, some nice guy level bullshit is, is what that is. Nice guy. And, uh, it's really that, so that's, that's for me something that's really embarrassing that I wrote.
0: I have a few things like that, but the question isn't embarrassing.
1: It's worst, Right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's worst, but I also feel like it was uh, the worst. Yeah, yeah,
0: okay.
2: Because um, I I'm, mean, that could be worst. Yeah, it could know? be worst I mean, for sure. It depends on how you define worst. Um, Boom.
0: Yeah, and and I've got a few things like that that I'm embarrassed about that I've that I've uh, that I feel that I've I've grown out of uh, significantly, but. I'm having a hard time thinking of any that I'm sure you can't find on the internet. (laughs) Sure, you can. Oh, you can definitely
1: find mine if you try hard. I
0: just don't want you to, please. So uh, I'm going to skip that one. Those, (laughs) I should say. Um, God darn it. And and, uh, go to my original interpretation of worst, which was something that I uh, wrote uh, intentionally terribly. uh, Uh, Oh, that's a cop out. (laughs) It's not a cop out. All right. Um, It was in high school and um it was uh it was a writing class like you know i, I was in like a separate writing class that wasn't an english class i think or i'm conflating memories um but uh you know it was kind of an elective i think uh and we were doing poetry um and we had to write like 10 poems over over a couple weeks or something so i of course uh uh was doing them the night before uh all at the same time and uh i at that time thought that uh i thought poetry was kind of a scam i (laughs) i i kind of thought that you know i was reading things we're talking like 10th grade i was was reading stuff like E. E cummings and being like this is all just nonsense this is just you know he's 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 making words uh feel melodic but not actually saying much of anything um so you know i i i, I with that knowledge uh i was like i'm just going to kind of be trolly and and uh and and write some poems that mean absolutely nothing uh and 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 are about like the stupidest thing I could think of and I think it was one of those looking around my bedroom for inspiration moments and 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 I wrote ten poems that were secretly about Batman lamp oh lamp <laughs> no they're all about Batman every one of them nice. uh but but I didn't say as much and and they were all just like I turned my brain off and just vomited words um and uh and uh, well. The teachers thought they were all brilliant, so it kind of proved my point true. Mm. But they were all really terrible and nothing. They were just nothing.
2: Tim. <laughs> so wait, you mean like the that people have read like that got published or that I published on the internet or what?
1: It just that uh someone that someone could read that other people read. Like not not, so I not was... your own internal works.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously stuff that people might have read. Uh, I wrote columns for a bunch of magazines under a bunch of names, uh, in the early 2000s. And, uh, there was this British magazine, uh, one of the many British unofficial PlayStation magazines. <laughs> and I wrote, they would just ask me to write whatever and I would give them like a different pen name, uh, For I would be like, hey, can you make this uh, guy have this name? You know, they're like, yeah, okay. I mean, they didn't care. They were selling so many copies of this magazine, and I don't really know why, Uh, because it was extremely bad. I had it in my bathroom, and it ruined many dumps. (laughs) Uh, so, So I just started writing the most flagrantly awful British games journalism, and... I would feel so bad if someone like screen capped one of those columns and or or game reviews or previews. I was writing reviews of games I hadn't played. They didn't care. Uh, they they never even paid me. Uh, <laughs> they were supposed to pay me, and they just kept missing. They paid a couple of times. Whatever. Uh, I would feel so bad if someone screen capped one of those and emailed it to me one of the creepy emails of the variety I get quite frequently. It's like just a screen cap of that. And, uh, like the guy who just sent me my address in an email once that was all he sent. And, uh, that was weird, but I would, I would feel horrible. I would feel worse than the guy just emailed me my address. Cause it's like, if you know that I wrote that Lord, (laughs) but, uh, like, but that was like on a case where I I thought it was funny. So I'm trying to think, what did well, I, I not I did, think I mean, was that, funny? That's
0: what I did too, right? So yeah, just, yeah, with
2: the Batman poems. Yeah, yeah. So I uh like we had a creative. I was in a creative writing class in college. You know you know where this is going. <laughs> uh, it was the one creative writing class I took, and the teacher. Who I'm going to Google him right now to see if he's still alive. Uh, <laughs> Oh man, what? Uh, hold on. This teacher was real bad. <laughs> and, uh, he was a writer attempting, he never published, he published one book. Man, that's sad. He published like this one book that came out, uh, shortly before he, uh, got the position teaching. And, uh, yeah, I guess he never, uh, published anything after that it was a short story collection it wasn't very good anyway he hated me but we would always be like he'd be like write a new short story this week uh write something else give us another draft of your story if you if you think your story's done write another one you gotta keep writing writing is good so every week I would come in there and I would just I got really lazy and I just started giving them the stuff that I was writing for myself. Right. So I just started giving the, which I I have since not shared any of that with anybody. Uh, So they gave it to the school. Uh, They were like one of the editors of the, the quarter, the the, the quarterly uh, literary magazine on campus was in that class. And she was like, can I have this and publish this? And I was like, uh, yeah. And, uh, flash forward a couple of weeks and, uh, they published the quarterly, uh, review and, uh, it was like 80% my stuff and there was like a reading party thing. and I mean, it was like this big, chunky, you know, nice high quality paper book and I got up there. And they're like, we want you to read one of your stories. And these stories were like, they published like three, 4,000 word stories. And then uh, they published one 8,000 word story. And I was like, man. And it was all just this magical realist crap. I was reading Borges and uh, trying to write like that. And they're like, we want you to read this one. We want you to read this 8,000 word story and that's like an hour of reading like literally like you can read about my natural the voice i'm speaking in right now is i can clock it at around 4600 words per 30 minutes right so it's around 9000 words an hour is how i'm speaking right now uh so it was like 50 minutes and man i had read the story before i gave it to the creative writing class but uh i I hadn't read it enough, you know, like I'd read it two or three times and I'd fixed a couple of things and it was by and large economical prose, you know, it was not like flowery or whatever. It was really, really mundane, Midwestern American, uh, tragic story kind of thing. I'd been reading Raymond Carver. Uh, uh, I wanted to write something that was just cold like that. And I'm just up there reading it and I'm like, I had gone so far inside my own balls at this point that it was like, it was a, a really scary moment to read that because, I mean, everyone's just sitting there and they're listening and they're laughing at appropriate times. And I'm just like, I guess this story is pretty good, but why, like, it's about, uh, the married couple in their fifties and it's about, you know, they've got a dog. Like I've never had a dog. Uh, I'm not a married person in my fifties. I'm not a fireman. I've never met a fireman. Uh, and I'm just like, this is so not about or it's like I'm not even there in this story. And I'm, I'm remembering it now and it was really bad. Uh so you know rest assured it was quite bad but uh uh the that that visceral experience and then having a bunch of people come up and talk to me about it uh afterward was just really strange and i i didn't like it and it just felt extremely creepy like i was covered with
1: earthworms that filled with them that's an interesting one because it 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 feels a lot like that that was a lot like the experience that I had in that in that creative writing workshop thing or whatever it was called, and young writers workshop. I don't know. Um, YWC. I, I. I mean. I wasn't really. YWW. I wasn't really in there either, uh, but rather than praise, I got uh, derision for it, which was probably more correct. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so we've we've reached the hour mark but uh I have a few more questions. It's it's up to y'all if you want to keep going. I don't know about a few oh. more. All right, let me let me just go
2: let I'm one of the good ones. Okay, I'm
1: going gonna, I'm gonna to get how about two more? All right. All right. Yeah. Okay, so one is uh do you like stuff that you write right after you write it or or is it when you come back to it? And uh, if if it's the latter, how long how long does that take? I, de- I tend to kind of push stuff out, and then I'm like, well, that garbage is over with. And then and then, uh, but then sometimes I'll come back, or like someone will link something to me and be like, uh, what What did you mean when you said this or whatever? And I'll go back and read it, and I'll be like, well, this isn't that bad. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it tends to take. You know, I got to have a couple, probably, uh, several months space from it before, before that works. But then there's like this, this gap to where, you know, almost anything I wrote 10 years ago, unless it was just informational, I am very embarrassed by, uh, there's like some, some line between liking your old stuff and finding it completely naive. It's like, how much have you changed as a person in that time?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I I like stuff when I'm done with it. I, 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 t- I try really hard not to, like, finish something I don't like. Hmm. Um, and uh, I like it for about, I don't know, three days. And then I hate it. <laughs> uh, and, and I hate it uh, until I read it again, which is usually like a year later. And then... Um, it depends. Like it's basically what you're saying. Like it it kind of depends on how young I was when I wrote it, uh, how I feel about it when I see it again. So like, if if it was done in the last like five years, I I tend to really like it when I see it again and go like, yeah, sure, I I was wrong to kick myself about this. This is great. Oh, well, not great, but you know it's this is this is passable and, I, and I'm not embarrassed by this in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's older than that then uh i don't i don't like it usually but i also don't kick myself over it because i understand that uh growing up is a thing people do um but at the same time um i think anything older than that i i, I find a I, I find a you know an uh some neat na naivety or oh, i
2: can never pronounce that word naivete naivete,
0: naivete. I find, find Naivety. I find some <laughs> naivetes uh, that that I'm 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 envious of sometimes. Yeah. Like you know, like if, if I go back to really young me, um, you know, the, the oldest stuff I can find, like I will never show it to anybody, but it's like, man, there's some stuff in here that like I I just don't have this anymore. Whatever yeah. whatever this was that allowed me to to be to do this like I, I would never come up with that now, and it's it's not exactly valuable, but I wish that I I had that as an adult and could hone it into something good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like like I feel like I lost a lot of a, a lot of that.
2: Tim? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I have the the idea in my head before I start writing anything, whether it's fiction or not, and I have. You know, if it's an essay, if it's the kind of stuff that I publish and, you know, link around on the internet, it's always, like, the question is, did I get all the stuff in there? Uh, are there enough jokes in there? And if so, upon finishing it, I'll scroll around. I'll just, you know, whip the scroll bar around and be like, yeah, it looks good. It's looking good over here, too. And then I'm done. Uh Whereas with... uh With fiction, so I'm writing a book now. Uh, I mean, I'm always writing something, but uh, the one that I finished right, like before Christmas, uh, that finished a draft of it, uh, it was really, really hard to write because I imposed an extremely strict rule on the grammar. Uh, I always have these, I have a real big bucket of grammar and vocabulary rules. And I put, like, the biggest, ugliest one yet on there. Uh And I wanted to see what would happen. And the writing of it, par- like, I had it, like, blocked out paragraph for paragraph or whatever. But the writing process was so boring. Like, it was incredibly boring to write. I got to have no, I basically robbed myself, I burglarized myself of any right to have fun. With the words themselves. And uh, I went back and looked at it uh, just just the other day uh, in Texas on my hotel bed. And uh, I was like, just, I read a paragraph out of the middle and I was like, wow, I'm really glad I put that rule on there. I just, I, I mean, I keep inventing these rules to try to cut down on the amount of revision time. Uh, that the book is going to take or the amount of editing or proofreading. Basically, I want every excuse to never look at the thing again when I'm done with it. But, uh, that's never going to happen, obviously. Uh, but you know, I can try. Uh, so I was, I'm, I'm usually prepared to dislike the stuff, but when I'm done, I, I it's kind of like buying movies, like buying Blu-rays, you know? Like, I'll be like, I'm going to have a good time watching this. And then it just ends up on the shelf for, oh God, like three or four years, some of these movies I have. And it's like, I've seen this before. Like I I bought LA Confidential on Blu-ray and I'm like, yeah, I like this movie. I'm going to have a good time watching that. And then I just didn't watch it. And then I did watch it and I was like, yeah, I was right. I was going to have a good time with that. And that's, uh, maybe that's how I write fiction. In that style, but I was very surprised by this one because I was prepared to not like it. So maybe if I impose rules that are too harsh or too strict, I I wrote a thing recently that was almost in the style of this book that I wrote. It was a kind of a break exercise. I wrote about uh, September 11th. Did any of you guys see that? I didn't even see that come up. Yeah, I didn't either. Oh, it was called a coincidence of jungles. These Other Old Machines of Lightning or The Light We Put in the Darkness Behind Our Children. And I put a, which is a pretty good title, let's face it. You know, if you don't know which one to pick, put them all in there. That's my <laughs> policy. Uh But that was just about my experience on the day, September 11th, 2001. I finally wrote it all up into one thing. So I had a similar, uh it's not a structural rule, but there was a rule in the writing there that uh, I will not reveal uh, because it's a fun I feel like, you know, if somebody can figure it out. I'll PayPal you a dollar, but uh, it, uh, yeah, the writing part is boring. Uh, so maybe if I impose rules that are too hard, I might lose the ability to enjoy the writing process. But at that point I'm kind of removing myself from the audience even more which was never really the point of my starting to write in the first place. I don't know. Writing to me was like playing a video game, you know, it, it I mean, in the old days, that's what I treated it as. Uh, why watch these final fantasy characters, uh, when I could just make my own and use my imagination like the Muppet babies taught me, you know? So, uh, but yeah, uh, as I'm getting older and the, the writing philosophy. So this thing I wrote about September 11th is by no means as, uh, as dense and as strict as the novel that I wrote. Uh, so the novel is called a conspiracy of miracles and the essay is called a coincidence of jungles. Conspiracy of miracles has no subtitles. I didn't go nuts on it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, by getting to, maybe I'm getting older and getting stricter and, uh, maybe I don't want to do that. But maybe it's good for the reader. Maybe it provides a better experience. It probably does. So that's my moral question about how much I enjoy my writing.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't do it if uh, if I didn't enjoy finishing a, a piece. Well, so, I mean, sometimes I write stuff and I'm like, man... I want to communicate this thing, but I'm not having a lot of fun with it, but it's usually, you know, it's pretty short. It's like 1500 words at most. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like a big deal and you can get through it. But if I were to write something long and I wasn't enjoying the act of writing it, I just, I don't know how I could get through it. I would have to find a way to enjoy it or else it would just languish unless it was a paycheck oriented thing, in which case I could do it for a while. Um So my last question is given all that stuff and how we've all written some, some dumb things and felt some dumb ways. How much allowance should we give to people who are bad writers now? Because, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still in a position where I, I have to read aspiring writers' writing and look at their yeah. sentence structure and look at their ability to, to string things together and, I'm I'm just very ready to write them off forever but then I have to remember that I've written some bad stuff like my sentence structure was maybe never as bad as these folks uh except for when I was in in uh maybe middle no elementary school um yeah but uh, <laughs> you know I never used passive voice that much uh but oh man um, pd I hate hate that passive voice but uh they you know, the, these people can grow. So how 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 apolog how not apologetic, but how um, uh, forgiving. forgiving should I be? Yeah, or should we be as as well, readers?
0: I, I am at peace with the fact that uh, that it ain't my responsibility to help people grow up, sure, uh, unless yeah. they're mine. You know, and I don't have any children. Uh, yeah. Around here that I can see anyway. Yeah. Uh, Bam. So like, I. So you're responsible know, for Tony's like, writing, Tony, your cat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tony, yeah. If, if if Tony was writing stuff, then you know I'd help him foster his craft. Yeah, his mind. Yeah. Uh, but uh, other than that, I don't know. Like I, I am just at the point where, and it, uh, this doesn't just go for writing. This just goes for you know people having very immature worldviews, for example. Uh, I don't feel like I have to be patient with them. It's not my responsibility. So uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I try not to be confrontational about that. It's just I go like, okay, that person needs to, uh, needs to grow up or evolve their craft or whatever, and, and that's not going to happen with my help. So, I'm just going to kind of ignore them now. And, uh, turns out there's a whole lot of stuff, uh, out there that I still haven't
1: read that's great. So, I can Mm. just read that stuff instead. Yeah. It's like, I think that in, in, in the case of, of being in a position, like now I'm, I'm, I'm vetting pitches for this ZAM website. And, you know, in this case, I am, I have the direct ability to try to help these people. Uh, yeah. and it makes me feel yeah. like, you know, maybe somebody out there needs someone like my, my old English teacher, Brian Thomas, to tell them that they're not that good and that they need to get better. Uh, but you know, I don't want to, <laughs> and it's not my job. I, I feel, really. I feel like
0: if, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to when I was an editor, cause that's the best place to, to go to think about yeah. this question. And, um, when I was at Gamasutra, for example, and, and we'd get in some some written work that I just felt like was so off the mark that it wasn't worth being an editor for mm-hmm. it, on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's it's just... Yeah. It, the, they, need, they need more work than I can provide. Like, I don't know. I would just dismiss it and go like, hey, we're a website, we pay money, and there's tons of people out there that are better than this. Let's just go find them instead. Um, but... I, I, I would like to think this never happened to me, but I would like to think that if I got something that was poorly written, but I could sense something in it, you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know if that's just seeing myself or like there was something in there that I really liked. I think that at that point I would actually help that person because uh, it would be to my advantage to help them grow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen people where they're it's you know they've got good ideas. I like they've they've got an instinct for writing about something that I'm interested in, but they don't have they don't have prose and they don't have they don't have the structure in there. But you know, it's I, I I'm worried about myself falling into the mindset of you know it's not my job to educate these these ignorant people because sometimes that's all those people need to change uh in into a more conscious person but most yeah. of the time it's not and it's very tiring <laughs> so yeah you know uh tim what... it, it is a flaw of mine i think like uh, when if if i sort of
0: when i've inherited writers that that uh, i didn't really agree with you know thankfully it has been fairly rare um but when that happened i was pretty bad at like doing my job i think <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like I, I i was much quicker to just uh rewrite the bad parts myself and not tell them why i did it cuz uh, yeah. i had other stuff to do yeah
1: yeah it's faster certainly tim i'm yeah. i'm sure people send send you stuff and be like what do you think of this
2: yeah uh well i mean i guess back when i started actionbutton.net uh i said you know send reviews and uh Oh, that's right. Uh, I uh, And I asked people to send reviews in, and a lot of people did. I got hundreds and hundreds, like, more than I expected to get. And uh, uh, I read all of them, and they weren't really – most of them weren't really that good. It was really hard to find one that was good. And I, within two days, learned – that I don't have to reply to all of these emails, (laughs) uh, that it's just, it would be stupid to reply to all of them because uh, some of them were just so bad. Like, and it's like, if you can read, you should be able to write. If you can read and you can talk, uh, I I don't see why it would be impossible to learn structure. And I mean, it's all about structure of sentences of paragraphs and and then the whole beginning middle end you know you don't need bullet points the music the graphics the story you don't need that uh but i do get fiction sent to me fairly regularly uh by people who read my essays and writing uh and it's really fun to know that that still happens on the internet uh, so if anybody out there was wondering if people still, still emailed each other stories, uh, they do. It's not just, uh, you'd think, uh, you would be forgiven for, uh, the presumption that when someone wants somebody to read a story, they put it on a blog. Uh, they, they don't always do that. I, I get stories sent to me all the time and I read them and, uh, I have a real good time sometimes. And sometimes I'm really surprised. It's like the sort of person with the wherewithal to actually go ahead and send me something is usually kind of cool. Uh, I guess I'm in a position where I'm not a famous writer. I'm, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not writing Harry Potter or anything. I'm not a billionaire. So those people must get like famous authors must get some terrible crap <laughs> sent to them even though that's not the way to get published at all uh you have to find an agent etc cetera, etc cetera. you can't get a an authors doesn't have a time to read stuff but i have time to read all the stuff i get and lately uh i got a friend uh in china who uh has been writing stuff in english and it's this surreally experimental english and it's just super great and i hope she writes a book uh because i would read it and i would tell other people to read it but you never know i mean i've never published a book so what do i know bam bam Bam. but uh yeah what i'm thinking is uh bar none no if someone can't structure a sentence if they can't figure out a couple grammar things if they use too many ly adverbs uh instead of using verbs that say the same thing, uh, if they can't get through a paragraph without two passive voice sentences, when very clearly you could have replaced that with something, if they ever end a sentence with or something, (laughs) uh, if they ever uh, use the word very or the word thing by itself, it's like, come on, man. Like I just I- immediately shut my brain off. Like I I can't get through that crap, which is why I like these weird '60s and '70s pulp fiction authors because they're all super stupidly highly principled Very punchy. writers. Yeah, the punchiness. It's it's aggressive.
1: Well, I it's I stuck. guess we better stop here. Uh, I was eventually gonna get round to video games, but who cares. <laughs> Owned. <laughs> Who cares? I was actually, I was going to ask people what video game writing they actually liked and how uh, you would write a video game differently. But we'll talk about that maybe some other time. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Dialogue in Assassin's Creed 4. Real, real good. I mean, we've
1: talked about it before. We'll talk about it again in the future. Yeah. Uh, we'll bring it yeah. back. We'll circle back around. Yeah. All right. So that was, that was our show. We talked about writing. Uh, you might've noticed it. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, if, uh, if you'd like to know more things about us, you can follow Frank on Twitter at, at Frank Cifaldi and Tim at one zero eight and me at Necrosofty with a Y.
2: I guess you can also follow me on com slash at one Oh eight. You have to put the at in the URL. Since there's about a novel's worth of stuff on there, if you want to read, God, I guess there really is. And you can follow me. One of those things is 30,000 words. You can words. follow me
1: there too, but uh, I don't really remember what my thing is. Medium.com slash something. Owned?
2: Maybe it's your Twitter handle. It could
1: be. It might, yeah, it probably is. Well, it's probably it, Necrosofty. I,
2: I can take a darn look for you right now. It won't take I a second. It is. My internet has miraculously stayed on this whole my time. My internet's heck of slow. Let's see. Yeah, that's okay. you.
1: Medium.com slash Necrosoft, I guess. You can follow the, uh, the, the... You can't follow me at Medium because I don't, I don't write stuff people don't pay me for. Nice. Um, <laughs> and, uh, sh- you can follow the show, facebook.com slash IC podcast. I promise we're going to do that on Twitter someday, but man, who likes to do work what you don't get paid for? That's what this whole, this whole show is. It's just <laughs> us doing work we don't get paid for. But it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. Well, someone else does the work. We just hang out. Yeah, talking's work. Thinking's work. Yeah, Blaine 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 does the work. Oh yeah, and by the the way, thanks Blaine Brown. As always, he does all this all this stuff, putting this show together for you. Real nice, and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy now that we're all three of us using real mics uh maybe it sounds a little bit well i
0: was always using the real mic i just uh i i, I there was a i had a drop down menu issue in that i didn't realize there was oh. a drop down menu in audacity to define my microphone so uh yeah owned yeah. so i've been using the same microphone basically since uh, we started this show but uh now i'm recording it proper nice
1: that that is the folly of never listening to your own show yeah for you know. real uh, lol. So, yeah, thanks y'all, and I guess we'll see you next
2: time.
1: Insert credit show.
2: Silver, yeah!